I don't know if you guys do this or not. Um, my, I took a psychology class when I was in college, and the professor told me it wasn't weird, but if you ever have conversations with yourself, anyone do that? Um, I, I do it a lot. And uh, he said, it's not weird to talk to yourself. It's actually not even weird to, like, talk back to yourself. He said, what the issue is, is you, talk to, you say something to yourself, and you're like, wait, what? Like, he said, that's when there's an issue. And so I, I do that sometimes. I, <clears throat> I kind of, if I have a difficult conversation coming up, I'll kind of walk through that conversation in my head and kind of think of what I want to say. Um, I, I do it, you know, if, I, if there's something I'm excited about, even if, like, a part of a sermon that I want to make sure that I get right, I'll, I'll practice it or kind of think it through and imagine the room as I do that. Um, I do it in real circumstances. I also do it in fake ones, too. I, uh, I've had a lot of fake conversations with the athletic department at Nebraska, uh, <laughs> lots of them, and I am um, embarrassed when people catch me having those conversations with myself. Um, but I've got a lot of ideas, and if you're watching online, guys, and you work there, just call me. Like I'd be happy to talk to you about it. But... Um, um, but yeah, I mean, I, I do that. One of the ones, though, that I keep coming back to personally is I, I, I kind of imagine my life at the end, okay? And it's a scenario that all of us are going to have to deal with, one, whether we want to think about it right now or whether we don't. And, and it's, there's going to come a day where we are going to, we're going to stand in the presence of Jesus. We're going to see him as he is, and he's going to see us as we are. And, and I, I think about that conversation a lot because, frankly, it's really the only one that matters. And I, I think about, okay, so when I'm, when I'm in that place where him and I are talking and we're looking at my life and how I, how I spent my life, it, it, how's that going to go? Is it going to be full of, of him saying, you know, yep, you did that, yep, that was great, yep, that was great, or, or is it going to be full of, you know, I sent that your way, you missed it. Oh, that was an opportunity that you had that you squandered. Oh, that was something that you knew I wanted you to do, but you chose not to. And while I believe that in that moment your faith is in Jesus, he's going to wrap his arms around you and you are going to get grace, I would also say that there is going to be something about that for all of us. Whereas we stand in his presence, we're going to be well aware of the opportunities that we missed and things that we could have done differently. And, and as, I, as I think about this season, this cultural moment that we're all part of, it is cliche and trite to say that 2020 has been difficult, okay? But, but I, would, I would say that as, as difficult as maybe as it's been for us, just because that is the case, it doesn't change the fact that still we have a role to play in God's purposes on this earth. And so that's a question for all of us personally that we have to ask. We have to say, okay, in this moment, considering where I'm at and what I'm supposed to be doing, am I doing everything that I can in this moment to help people know Jesus better? And something Joanna and I ask ourselves a lot, you know, we, during the, the, the shutdown season of the pandemic, we said, hey, you know what, this hasn't hit us like it's hit a bunch of people, so what we're going to do is we're going to commit to do something really generous every week. And so we did that for a while. That was something that how we wanted to respond to it. And then, and then as we've kind of zoomed out a little bit and we look at my, kind of my role as the pastor of this church, it's like, okay, so we have a responsibility as the church 
to share the gospel to the greater 417 area. The way we say it is we have the, the responsibility to help this area know Jesus better. And so we do all kinds of things. And so what we committed during this season where things have been tough is we committed to say, you know what we're going to do? We're going to do everything that we can, and we're going to do our best to continue to do everything that we've been doing. So, so during this season, we continued to support missionaries. During this season, we're like, okay, we want to try to meet some new needs. And so even uh, the last several weeks, what we did is we went to three different local schools just because we know that the school year has been tough for people. And we said, we're going to bless teachers and staff at local schools. We're going to bring them donuts and coffee. And you might think, that doesn't sound very spiritual. No, the donuts are really good. They are pretty spiritual. <laughs> and so we went and we, we, we did that. We've, um, we've, we've, we've blessed local schools. We, we decided that, you know, Kickapoo, we've, we've been filling their food pantry for the last couple of years or the last year or so. And so we, we just did a campaign to do that. And then someone from Glendale was like, hey, you guys did Kickapoo. What about Glendale? And so we're like, yeah, we'll do Glendale. So we did a campaign for Glendale to raise, to, to fill their food pantry, and we did that. We even created this website on our, on our website that was a, like a COVID need website. And what we did is over the, the shutdown season, we were able to meet every single request that came in through that website um, for people who had been affected by the pandemic. Like we said, you know what we're going to do? We want to, we want to be part of it. We want to meet, um, we want to be able to meet these needs. Another thing that we, we've done is that we've, we've said we also believe in what God's called us to do here at the church. And so we believe, you know, one of the things about new life that is very new life is that we, we think that the church is supposed to be fun. Like we're, we believe that there's something about it that's supposed to bring, bring joy to people. So we'll do stuff like, you know, like last week, everybody was wearing their Halloween costumes or giving out free don't. And, and it might not seem like that big of a deal, but what that does is it gives people the opportunity to, to know Jesus better. And so we, I feel like we, we've done this stuff. We've been able to say, like this year, we've actually been able to say yes to every single benevolence request that's come in, with the exception of the people who call the church and can't come in and fill out the paperwork. And, and so we're at this place where we're like, okay, we feel like, okay, we, we've been put in this spot in 417 area to help people know Jesus better. And, and honestly, as I'm looking at what we're doing, I'm like, I, I think that we are, we're meeting that need. Okay, so then I started thinking, okay, that, that's, that's part of what we're called to do. But then if you remember last week, I preached on Acts chapter 1, and, and I read this in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, and it says this. It says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. This verse, what it's talking to is, is this is Jesus speaking, and, and he's talking to a group of people in regards to their geographic location. He's, he's talking to a group of people, and he's saying, here's what I want you to do. I want you to reach people in Jerusalem, people around you, reach people in Judea and Samaria a little bit further out, but I also have a call for you to reach people to the end of the earth. And, and here's the thing, like, that's, he's, obviously Jesus is talking to 120 people who are going to follow him and take the gospel to where we are today, but that, that command that Jesus gives them is the same command like, to us too, that we have a responsibility to those who are local, and then we also, as people who follow Jesus, we have this responsibility that is, that is global as well. 
And, and so kind of with that in mind, one of the things that just over the season that I've not been able to shake, when I pray I can't shake it, when I, I just, I can't, I can't shake it, is that, that because of the way COVID has affected the growing season all over the world, double the amount of people this year are going to die from starvation than in years past. I, I just, I, I, can't, I can't not think about that. And what kills me is that most of the people who are going to be impacted by that reality are kids. And then, and then I think of that video that Venture showed, and, and you've got these women who, who are in these safe houses, and they have to leave their safe houses, and they, they have to choose between starvation and prostitution. And, and, and there's just something inside of me that as I see that, as I think about it, that, that it's not right. And then I have to wrestle with the fact that Jesus says to me and to all of us, you got to go to the ends of the earth. That I'm not just go. I don't just expect you to do something here. I also expect you to do something there. And, and here's the challenge. Okay, so when you consider people who are dying of starvation. These are people who are in extreme poverty. And God's answer to poverty has always been the church. It's always been his people. I just want to show you kind of a smattering of verses that that communicate this reality. And there's quite a few of them, but I I want us to see that this is something that I didn't make up, but really this is is heavy on God's heart. We'll start in Deuteronomy chapter, chapter 15. It says this, if among you one of your brothers should become poor in any of your towns within your land that the Lord your God is giving you, you shall not harden your heart or shut your hand against your poor brother, but you shall open your hand to him and lend him sufficient for his need, whatever it may be. Proverbs 29 says this, it says a righteous man knows the rights of the poor, and a wicked man does not understand such knowledge. I think Psalm 41 is very interesting, considering just like that this has happened in response to a virus. Listen to this. This is an incredible promise of Scripture, if you believe Scripture. Psalm 41 says, Blessed is the one who considers the poor. In the day of trouble, the Lord delivers him. The Lord protects him and keeps him alive, and he is called blessed in the land. And you do not give him up to the will of his enemies. The Lord sustains him on his sickbed, and in his illness you restore him to full health. It's a pretty incredible promise when you think about it. And he says, on, the Lord sustains him on his sickbed. The Lord protects him and keeps him alive. What, is, who's, what type of person is he talking about? He's talking about one who's mindful of the poor. Acts chapter 20, this is in the New Testament. And it says this, This is in all things I have shown you, that by working hard in this way we must keep the weak, we must help the weak, and remember the words of our Lord Jesus, how he himself said, it's more blessed to give than to receive. And then finally, I think is it just maybe the, the most difficult 
verse of all to deal with is 1 John 3, where it says, if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? So think about the idea that double the amount of people this year will die of starvation. That the UN food, um, food program has, ex- has estimated that that number could, if, I mean, if certain things play out, that that number of, of people dying of starvation could actually spike at 300,000 people in a day. And you consider what God says about the poor, and then you, you go back and, and you consider our responsibility to go to the ends of the earth, and then, so you kind of put all that stuff together, and then as you start talking to people who work with these organizations that exist for the purpose of helping feed people on the other side of the world, that if you talk to the people in those organizations, what they're going to tell you is they're going to say that their funding is going to drop, is dropping probably about 30%, just given of how the, our economy's been affected by all, all of this situation. And so it puts us in a spot where we see all of this here, and then we say, okay, so what do we do? You know, we're calling the series, Now What? And it's where we're looking at the empty tomb and we're saying, okay, so now what? Okay, so now that Jesus is risen from the dead and he's, he's given, he's wait, we're waiting for him to come back for us, that what is, our, what is our responsibility? What is it that he's put before us to do? And he makes it pretty clear in Acts 1.8 what he puts before us to do. That, that we can't look at needs on the other side of the world and say, well, that's on the other side of the world. Because Jesus says, you'll be my witnesses to the ends of the earth. So, so for all of us in this world living in Springfield, Missouri, or the greater 417 area, that we have a responsibility to meet needs all around the world. He's called us to that. So the question then is, okay, so what do we do in response to this? And as I've, as I've prayed about it, and I've just kind of been, you know, trying to process what do we do, is we're going we're gonna to do a campaign to kick off, the, to, to really to finish off the year. And what we're going to do is we're going to call it Neighbors and Nations. And here's, the thought behind it is this, is that we're doing a good job of reaching our neighbors. We have things to reach and to serve our neighbors, but now what we need to do is as a church, we need to treat the nations like they are our neighbors, that we need to care about people on the other side of the world like they are right here with us. And so what we're going to do is we're going to partner with Venture. And my hope and my prayer for us is that as we finish out this year, that what we'll be able to do is that we'll be able to raise $20,000 for Venture. And here's why that number is significant, is that if we raise $20,000 for Venture, we will be able to, feel, to fill a crate full of food that will go to a place that wouldn't otherwise get it. It's going to be 272,000 meals we'll be able to send if we raise that. And so it's an incredible opportunity that it's here before us, and it's an opportunity for us to participate in what God is doing all around the world. So what I want us to do, even with this weekend, is I want us to prayerfully consider, okay, God, what is it that you want me to do in response to this? God, how do you want me to participate in what you're doing adventure. Here's what I can tell you. I don't know that we're going to be able to go anytime soon because it just travel is kind of tough. 
but I do believe that God's going to call us to participate this year through our generosity. And so I'm just going to give you a few thoughts about generosity this morning that we can consider, and then what we'll do is we'll just we'll finish the service by praying and asking God to speak to us, and then we'll know um, kind of the direction that he's moving us in. So the first thing is this. I want to talk about generosity. Is when you think about generosity, that generosity is not, it's not a number, okay? I, I think it's really interesting that when you when you consider how God talks about giving or how he talks about these things in the Bible, that he doesn't say, this is, this is the threshold. This is the number that you have to attain. No, what he does is he speaks in percentages and he uses words like generosity. Look at this in, first, or in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6. He says this. This is Paul speaking. He says, The point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Now, what I love about this verse is, when, is that word generous. Because when you think about like, what is generous, like, that is totally in proportion to, a per, to the person. The what might be generous to you might not be generous to me, or, or, or vice versa. Even if you think about your life, right? Probably what is generous to you has probably changed during different seasons of your life, right? I remember when I was in college, a good lunch for me was that cup of ramen noodles. I think there was like two peas in there and maybe a carrot. And it like tasted like cardboard, but they had the chicken sauce that you could dump in there and it tastes like chicken cardboard. You know what I'm talking about? And, and I remember I would, I, would, I would eat that for lunch and I'd have a Nutter Butter Bar and a Code Red Mountain Dew. And for me, that was like a good meal. And then if I, if I, I felt like if I worked hard that week, then what I would do is on Friday, I would treat myself to Taco Bell. Like, like it, was, it was just, it was good. Like, it was good. That was, that was what I did. And, and I'll tell you what, like, what was generous then to me might not be what's generous to me now. I'm a little different. Now I treat myself to Qdoba, not, not Taco Bell. So it's, I've evolved a little bit down the Mexican food train. It's in proportion, though. And what I find so interesting about about this idea of generosity is, is the way that it works. And Paul says, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. If you want to experience the blessing, you've got to be willing to take the first step. That it's not something where it's just dumped in your lap and you're like, okay, now I get to do this. No, but he's saying, okay, if you want to experience the harvest, you got to put the seed in the ground. That if you want to see what I can do, then you've got to be willing to take the first step. That that's, that's kind of how it works. It makes me think of this quote that I, from a book that I've, I've read a long time ago. And it's, uh, it's the book Pilgrim's Progress. And, and John Bunyan, he wrote the book, and, and he said this, and I think it's a really great quote. It's, there was a man... Some called him mad. The more that he gave, the more that he had. Now, it sounds crazy, and if you've never, like, tried to step out and give, or generate, like, it, that sounds like a crazy premise, but here's what I can tell you. Every time I talk about generosity, someone comes and tells me a story like that. It's crazy. I remember the first time I talked about something like this. I've, I've been a lead pastor for about three years now, and I remember just being so scared to talk about giving. I'm like, man, I just don't, I don't know. It's just, ah. Everyone gets, it, and what I was, so, I was so surprised by 
was when I stood in the lobby after service and just talked to people to hear story after story of people that essentially said, you know, it was something I never did. thought it was stupid. Then I stepped out in faith and I did it. And I'm so glad that I did. Like story after story. It, it was weird to me how many people want, like, just wanted to tell me their story. And it's because there's something supernatural. What, what God is saying, he's saying, you got to be willing to take the first step. And if you take the first step, I'm going to take care of you. I like the way that the proverb says it. It says it this way in, in Proverbs chapter 28. Considering our campaign, I think this is really interesting. It says, whoever gives to the poor will not want. But he who hides his eyes will many will get many a curse. That whoever gives to the poor will not want, but he who hides it's the idea is this. It's like, okay, I know there's that need, but I'm just not gonna look at it. I know there's something that I could probably do about that, but instead I'm not gonna think about it. I'm just gonna close my eyes. I'm gonna choose to think about something else. But whoever gives to the poor, whoever sees the need and says, I'm gonna meet it, it says they will not. They will not want. But what a generous person does is a generous person realizes, and to, to, to borrow from Andy Stanley, is that, that not everything that comes to us is always for us. And that's tough. Like, but I mean, think about it. Think of how when you're in seasons where, where maybe it feel, you feel lacking, what do you do? Is you pray and say, God, please provide. Please help meet this need. God, please give me what I need so I can do what you've asked me to do. But then how often in the seasons when more comes our way is our response, hey, God, what do you want me to do with this? Hey, this excess came. How do you want me to? We, just, we automatically assume it's just for us to spend on whatever we want. And a generous person, what they do is they realize that everything that comes to them is not for them. The generosity, that it's, it's, it's not a number. It's more of a heart. It's more of an attitude. It's in proportion to what someone has. And the second thing we see about generosity is this, is that generosity, it's, it's not magic. That it's not magical. Like, I think there's something about us where we just think, okay, I, I'm going to just, it's all magic. Like, it just it happens. It works out. And, and, and while I do believe there is a supernatural component to generosity, I believe that there's a par- part of us, especially when we're talking about these types of campaigns, where, where we pray and we say, God, what do you want us to do? And as we feel nudged a certain way, we step out in faith and do what we feel. Like, there's definitely some of that there, but there isn't like this magic. Like, look, look at how Paul talks about it here in verse 7. He, he says, each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. It's not something where as you give, that you should give under compulsion. So we're not, I guess why we're, that's why the campaign lasts a week long, and we're not saying, hey, before you leave, make sure you, like, we're, we're saying, hey, I mean, think about it, pray about it, ask God what he wants you to do and how he wants you to participate in this. And even I would just say this to, 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 to you, sometimes we, we see or we hear stuff about giving and we think, well, I go to church there. Ryan talked about it. I guess I probably should do something. And so then we're like, well, okay, I'll, I'll do that. I mean, everyone else is doing it, so I might as well just participate in neighbors and nations, whatever that means. Like, and, and then you give, and it's like, that's it. And I would just say that, that if that's your heart, like, 
maybe don't give. Like, maybe don't. Like, maybe just do, because when has that ever been a good reason to do anything? That's why teenagers start smoking. Like, it's not a good thing. <laughs> but instead, really, what, like, our heart should be, you know what, man, this is an opportunity, and God loves a cheerful giver. Like, he loves it when we give to him with joy in our hearts. And you know who also loves receiving gifts with, like, cheerful hearts? It's us. I was thinking about, my wife's birthday is October 14th, so you all missed it, so sorry. Um, but, and so her birthday month, but her birthday month is officially over, but she let me know this morning that we're still in her birthday year, so we're, we're still doing it. But, um, but we did this thing this, <clears throat> this year where um, we wanted to do something special for Joanna, and so she had parent-teacher conferences, she teaches at Ozark West. And so what we did is, me and the kids, when she was, had parent-teacher conferences, we wanted to, to all get her a gift, and she's into these, like... They're like called Nora Fleming charms. I don't know if you guys know what they are, but these little trinkets that you put on plates and stuff and you change them out throughout the season. Like I, I'm, I'm convinced that we painted our house two summers ago because it didn't match the charm. Like she's not going to say that, but I'm pretty sure we did. And, uh, but she loves them. Like she likes to change them throughout the, the, the seasons. And so what we did was me, we knew that she needed a few more Christmas ones and then spring was kind of lacking. And so um, me and the kids, what we did is we went to this place that sells those charms. And uh, when she was at parent-teacher conferences, and we, we each, me, my son Jack, and my daughter Madeline, we each picked out a charm for Joanna, okay? And um, Madeline picked out some really dumb ones, so we had to help steer her. <laughs> but, we, but we got to the place where we all, like, had a charm picked out for Joanna, and, um, and, and it, was, it was cool. Like, we all picked it. It kind of reflected our personality, and it was really neat. And so we, we got these charms, and then we come home, and we're like, the only, the only wrapping paper that we had at the house was Mario wrapping paper, so it had to do. But she likes Mario, so it was okay. And so then we wrapped, and so we're like, okay, here's what we're going to do. We're going to wrap each of them individually, and then what we'll do is we'll all write her a card where we'll put something thoughtful, and we'll put the charm wrapped on top of the card so that when she wakes up on her birthday, she'll come out and she'll see on the counter, she'll see three gifts with three cards. And so it was really fun. So what we did, because Jack like, likes to keep secrets, he's just really bad at it, and we... We, hit, we let Jack hide the charms in his room, and like, he wanted to hide them like, in plain sight. And I'm like, what are you doing? No, put them in the drawer. Like, and so we, he hid the charms, and, and like, it was really cool. Like, so we, she, we went to sleep, and, and I heard Jack get up in the... It doesn't matter. He, he, he came out, and, and, and he set the charms wrapped up on the card, and, and it, was, it was such a cool moment for us because... Like, we got to show Joanna, like, hey, this is, we think you're really special. Like, this is a little bit extra work, and we, but we did all this just so that when you'd wake up on your birthday, that you'd have something to make sure you have a really, really good day. Like, it was a, it was a cool moment. We were all really, it's like one of those moments where you really put a lot of thought into something. Like, you're really excited to watch the person that you're blessing. You know what would have stole the, the joy of that moment? If I would have been like, yeah, that was a lot of work right? Or, man, you should have seen the salesperson try to sell me. They, they upselled me on that. You stupid charms. What, what color are we painting the house now? Because <laughs> there's not cheerful giving. That's compulsion. That's, that's exactly what he's saying, that we shouldn't, we sh- that's not how you give. And in the same way, we like to be blessed by someone who wants to bless us. That that God, 
He loves a cheerful giver. He wants us to look. We know that the, the poor are close to his heart. It's clear. He wants us to look at that need and to say, man, what an incredible opportunity I have to participate in what you're doing all over the world. What an incredible opportunity I have to be part of something that I physically wouldn't be able to do. Which leads me to my third thought about generosity, and it's this, is that generosity advances the gospel. It does. Generosity advances the gospel that when you give here even, you walk in, you throw something in that bucket, or you give online because you're a millennial or whatever, that you, it's not, like, the money doesn't just go, it doesn't just, like, sit somewhere. No, it, it, it accomplishes something. That last weekend, we were able to baptize two people who, honestly, like, a year ago, they weren't even serving the Lord. Like, your giving enables us to, to be able to tell those types of stories. That your giving gives us the tools to help people know Jesus better. And, and the same is true that as we give to projects like Neighbors and Nations, what your giving does is it gives us an opportunity to share the gospel places we wouldn't normally be able to share the gospel. I, I like the way that Paul says this in 2 Corinthians. He says this, he says, by their approval of this service, they will glorify God because of your submission that comes from your confession of the gospel of Christ and the generosity of your contribution for them and for all others. The thing is, when we, when we give, that on this side of heaven, we don't always get to see what our generosity does. But what Paul's saying is saying that talking to this group of people at Corinth, he's saying, your generosity, because of your generosity, there are people who will glorify God. That because of, of you trusting God in this way, people will respond by bringing glory to God. And when you think about it, like, and you consider the people who are making great sacrifices to do the things that we're going to give towards. It really seems like our sacrifices, and it's kind of an easy way to store up treasures in heaven if you really think about it. I mean, think of how difficult it would be to go. Like, one of the places that are, are, are probably like is um, it's on the border of Thailand, it's a refugee camp on the border of Thailand. Like, that's where our, our food will go when we give to it. Okay? You know how hard it would be to go there? Like right now? I mean, one, it's going to be expensive. Two, like, I mean, travel restrictions and COVID challenges. And, like, it's going to be, it'd be really a pain to try to be there and to pull that off. Even if you got there, there's going to be a language barrier. Like, that's going to create some challenges. And I don't know what the weather's like, but I have a feeling it's going to be probably kind of uncomfortable for you if you're there. But here's the thing. There are people who are already there. There are people there who are already serving, who are already meeting that need, and our giving enables them to be more effective. And because when we give to things like that, people in turn put their faith in Jesus in a, in a very real way. It's credited to our account. 
And this is a way that we're able to help people know Jesus better all around the world. So as I close this morning, I would just say this. I'll address the elephant in the room, which is like, well, cool, another church that just wants all my money. And, and to that, I would just say, nah, I don't. We don't. And really to that, I would just say, if that's your heart, man, I, I hope that you, you know that we're just happy that you're here. No one's going to coerce you or do anything. Even I said, don't give under compulsion. Or don't do this because you feel like, just because you feel like you have to. And I would say also, if that's maybe your, your spirit, I would, just, I would just say this from the stage. God is my witness. And I, I mean, I'm really afraid of him. And so I, like, every dollar that comes in for this is going to go to feeding kids. We, don't, we won't see any of it. That our commitment is that for everything that comes in, we're just going to send it out. Because we care. Because for all of us, this is something where it's like, we're all going to stand in the presence of God. That he's going to look at all of our lives. He's going to look at all of the moments, all the experiences that we've had. And he's going to say to you, did you do the best? Did you do the best with it? Did you give it your all? Were you faithful to do the things that I asked you to do? And I don't know about you, but for me, I want to be able to say yes. I want to be able to point at things and talk about, man, wasn't it cool that I was able to be part of that? And this is one of those moments where, where we can be part of what God is doing on the other side of the world. That, that this is one of those moments where we can feed someone who maybe wouldn't have otherwise been able to eat. That we are fiercely committed to helping people know Jesus better. And so I would just ask you as I close, I'm going to pray. And as I pray, I would, just, I would ask all of us to say, okay, God, what is it that you want me to do in response to this?